It's Thursday, October the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, American inflation ticks up and the WHO takes another stab. First, the world in brief. America's annual rate of consumer price inflation rose by a shade in September to 5.4%, a higher figure than economists had forecast from 5.3% in August. Dearer food and shelter accounted for more than half of the month-on-month increase of 0.4%. Social security benefits will be adjusted upwards by 5.9%, their biggest boost in decades. Fuel costs also rose, but the price of used cars, which spurred inflation earlier in the year, fell. To ease supply bottlenecks and delivery backlogs, the Port of Los Angeles is expected to start operating round the clock. America's Federal Reserve may start scaling back its asset purchases as early as next month, according to recently released minutes from the Fed's September meeting. The Fed would slowly taper its monthly $120 billion bond purchases, which were part of the central bank's pandemic response, cutting $10 billion monthly in treasuries and $5 billion in mortgage-backed securities. The World Health Organization formed a new 26-member scientific advisory group to investigate the origins of COVID-19 and other pathogens. An earlier WHO study delivered no clear verdict on COVID-19, having been hindered by China's refusal to cooperate. According to the director of the WHO's emergencies programme, this may be, quote, the last chance to understand the origins of this virus. The European Commission proposed the joint purchase of fuel by EU members, as well as tax cuts to alleviate the steep rise in energy prices. Kadri Simpson, the Energy Commissioner, also outlined a, quote, toolbox of measures that member states could take without breaching EU law, including state aid for ailing energy companies and income support for poorer households to help pay energy bills. America's Interior Secretary announced plans to lean into offshore wind power. Deb Haaland said seven blocks of shoreline would be leased by 2025, covering most of the east, west and gulf coasts. America approved its first commercial-scale offshore wind farm only in May. The initiative looks like a nice thing to present at the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow, starting October 31st. JP Morgan Chase reported a profit of $11.7 billion in the third quarter, an increase of 24% year-on-year. Earnings were boosted by the bank's release of $2.1 billion in reserves set aside at the start of the pandemic to cover loan losses. Meanwhile, third-quarter profits at BlackRock, the world's largest fund manager, rose by 23% to $1.68 billion for the same period last year. Five people were killed and several more injured by a man wielding a bow and arrows in Kongsberg, a small Norwegian town west of Oslo. The attacks occurred at 6.30pm local time, across a variety of locations, including a supermarket. Police have arrested the attacker, a Dane, whose motives remain unknown. 
And fact of the day. £5,681, $7,706. The visa cost incurred by British firms to hire a single skilled worker. Compare that with €175, $203 in Germany. And now, here's today's agenda. To boost or not to boost? The FDA moles a vaccine strategy. Over the next two days, a committee which advises the Food and Drug Administration, America's regulator of medicines, will meet to appraise the utility of two vaccines, those made by Moderna and Janssen, as booster shots. The committee will also mull whether recipients of booster shots should only get doses from the same manufacturer that made their original doses. Evidence from Europe suggests it is safe to mix things up and perhaps more effective than relying on a single type of jab. The committee will not vote on this mixed-dose strategy though, only on whether to authorise boosters at all. If it votes in favour and the FDA signs off on it, then on October 20th and 21st, another committee at the Centres for Disease Control and Prevention will meet to determine who should be eligible. A few days after that, Janssen and Moderna boosters should begin to flow. Mix and match will have to wait. France's wannabe Trump Eric Zemmour The French will be keenly watching the next moves of Eric Zemmour, a television personality and anti-immigration polemicist. He has styled himself as a French Donald Trump, With no party, no filter and no time for political correctness, Mr Zemmour seeks to outflank Marine Le Pen by making the hard-right leader look too soft. So far, it seems to be working. On October 6th, a poll put the 63-year-old ahead of Ms Le Pen in first-round voting intentions for next April's presidential election, behind only Emmanuel Macron, the president. While Ms. Le Pen has tried to sanitise her party's image, Mr. Zemmour seeks to provoke. Of Jewish Algerian descent, he has declared that Vichy France protected French Jews and that Islam is incompatible with France. He has become the subject of the frenzied talk shows where he used to be a commentator. With six months to go, the campaign promises to be nasty and divisive. Blood on the Soil India's Angry Farmers It was more than a year ago that Narendra Modi's government inflamed farmers' organisations across North India by launching a trio of agricultural market reforms. Since November, with hardly a pause for the pandemic, hundreds of thousands have done stints at protest camps ringing Delhi, the capital. Details about crop pricing are rarely mentioned any longer. The Supreme Court suspended the new rules in January. Yet the standoff has grown uglier. This month, an SUV owned by a government minister ploughed into protesters in the state of Uttar Pradesh. A melee ensued, killing eight people. The farmers who died, like many of the protesters around Delhi, were Sikhs. Some of Mr Modi's staunchest supporters, a proudly Hindu lot, 
have been disparaging them as, quote, anti-national. It is a perilous course. Uttar Pradesh's chief minister, an ally of Mr Modi, is standing for re-election on a law and order platform. Yet his police, apparently reluctant to discipline the politically connected, were slow to make arrests. Flirting with Pole Exit The EU and Poland This week, the tension between Poland and the European Union ratcheted up even further. The trigger was a ruling last week from the country's constitutional tribunal that parts of EU law are incompatible with the Polish constitution. The ruling stoked fears of, quote, Pole Exit, although Jaroslaw Kaczynski, leader of the ruling Law and Justice Party, has called accusations that he wants to leave the EU, quote, propaganda. Nearly 90% of Poles want to stay in the EU, according to Poles. But the country is on a collision course with EU institutions nonetheless. Normally, rulings by the Constitutional Tribunal can take weeks or months to enter into effect. This ruling was enforced by Tuesday. Meanwhile, the EU is debating a measure that would cut Poland and Hungary, another country that the EU reckons shirks the rule of law, off from central funds. The EU will issue its opinion on Poland's constitutional ruling later this year. A happy resolution is nowhere in sight. Horrible history. Aracht. Ireland's Great Famine from 1845 to 1855 is a hard subject to tackle. A potato blight exacerbated by British economic policies decimated the population. Some one million people starved to death and another two million were forced to emigrate. When Tom Sullivan, the director of Aracht, told a famous Irish filmmaker of his plans to make a film about it, the words, quote, don't fuck it up, were hurled back. Undeterred, he shot the Irish language film on the wild coast of County Galway with a sinewy budget of just 1.2 million euros, 1.4 million dollars. On Friday, it is released in Britain and Ireland. It is Ireland's entry into the Oscars International Feature Film category and has already been optioned for an English language remake by Greg Shapiro producer of The Hurt Locker, an Academy Award-winning thriller about the Iraq War. The film's title means monster in Irish. It is Anglo-Irish history at its most horrifying. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Harold Bloom, who died on this day in 2019. The Academy and the literary world alike are always dominated by fools, knaves, charlatans and bureaucrats. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 